This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 349, Nuts About Sound. again to another episode of games at work.biz this is one of your co-hosts michael martin and i'm joined today by another co-host um similarly same named michael but different last name because we're different people mr michael Rowe, how are you today i'm glad that we are different people because it would confuse the hell out of me if we were not yeah the whole siamese (laughs) twin thing it just doesn't work No, no, not at all. But we have an exciting show, and and uh, our our buddy Andy is unavailable this week. But uh, I'm sure he is doing the things that he needs to do, which is great. That's that's what one does, and we're going to be missing him. But we've got some really fun things to talk about, as you said, Michael. And let's kind of dive right in, or or maybe let's try on the first uh, story here, so to speak. Uh, in the last week, um, I came across a fun uh, little example of our dots discussions, which we've now carried over, believe it or not, three weeks in a row. And this one <laughs> came from Adobe's Project Primrose, and the the video, it's a YouTube, is about a dress that changes styles and colors very much in the same way that our dots examples did. Um, You need to take a quick little look at the video. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And we've talked about wearable devices and wearable uh, computing and fashionable fashionable tech before too. So it's uh, something well worth taking a look at. Now, as we move from uh, last week's to this week's, uh, we've got uh, more than a couple of fun things. The the first one that's on the list is uh, a notion in AI about Scarlett Johansson. And we're just going to touch on it quickly, but it's an intriguing thing with all the deep fakes that are available. And not everything is a deep fake. Sometimes they're intentional fakes, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) You can record people's voices. But here's an example uh, of Scarlett Johansson saying, hey, you know what? Um, Someone took advantage of recordings of my voice, put them into an ad. It's not me. Tom Hanks joined in the party here too, saying there are similar things for him. And uh, we're in a evolving space here about public personas and what can be done and what should not be done. I only had one thing to add to this, uh, and that is, I want to say five, six, ten years ago, Facebook got in trouble with ads where they would take pictures from your friends and insert them in ads for products. Oh, yeah, I remember this. So it looks like they endorsed them, but they didn't. Exactly, but they didn't. And so, you know... At least now we're only doing it for celebrities, right? Uh, but uh, seriously, though, to me, this is an escalation of that same feature, which is which is a problem, right? Uh, it's uh, misleading advertising, which is, oh, by the definition, I guess, somewhat the definition of advertising. <laughs> well, and it's compensating but, people for their unique capabilities. So we've seen well, that. Well, it's not compensating. Well, in this case, it isn't. That's why there's a lawsuit. But <laughs> right. it, it's the same issue where there are sometimes people whose pictures were lifted and they show up in ads or on products later. And yep. those pictures were never intended for those purposes. And you've got to be vigilant about this. So 
intriguing stuff. Um, next up, uh, a cool article, continuing cool article about the humane AI pin. We've talked about this a little bit. Um, uh, Michael, I dressed up as I do all too frequently for Halloween as, um, as Riker. And so this one kind of <laughs> reminded me of the Star Trek pin too. So the Star yep. Trek pin, uh, while it doesn't have a camera Beep. and does not have the Beep. capability of uh, projecting things on your hand or elsewhere, um, is one of those cases of science fiction now turning into science fact. And this particular article is saying the idea may be that the the pin might cost a thousand bucks and need a subscription to be able to use it. And and none of that is surprising to me. Uh, no. Let's let's face it. It's 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 a high end cell phone. Right, so that's a thousand bucks nowadays, um, and uh, it has a data connection plan. So there's your subscription. I, I, I the way they pitched the article is like, oh my god, it's a thousand bucks and it has a monthly subscriptions, and it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of the norm. And and for those who didn't see the video of our recording, I was earlier tapping my chest and going delete every time I was touching my badge, right, my my Star Trek uh, communicator badge. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, so I'm not going to have to edit that noise out earlier. <laughs> well, you, you, you can, but you probably won't. Uh, but I won't. But you won't. Uh, and you shouldn't but, have to. You know, this is, this. I mean, we've, we've talked about this device now almost for a year over the course of different podcast episodes. Uh, and once again, it's just getting closer and closer. And, and I find that interesting. Uh, and I'm not surprised at all about the cost. And I like your point, too, of, you know, science fiction becoming science fact. So... Very yeah. cool. And and it's also fashionable tech once more, because um, I think we mentioned this on a prior episode of how it was introduced at one of the fashion shows. And so this is yet again, another blending of the bunch, right? Uh, now, something that's maybe also in fashion this week uh, in a couple of places is the President Joe Biden of the United States executive order around watermarking. And I know you've got a yep. thought or two about this. Well, you know, we we've talked about the the concept behind the watermarking for uh, again for um, some time. Mm -hmm. uh, I do find it interesting. Um, this is being done through executive action, uh, an executive order, which means it can have a impact on those for those people outside the U.S. Uh, it can have an impact on those parts of the government that are within the executive branch. But it does not have the same impact as law, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so from that perspective, you could almost say it's a recommendation that people who work for him directly have to follow and everybody else can think about. Uh, so to, to that regard, it's a little bit less uh, powerful than it could be. But I do think it is important and it's going to continue the discussion around how AI should be handled in the public space uh, and hopefully drive some kind of action uh, across the rest of the government and the industries, not industry singular anymore, on, on how AI is going to be used uh, within, within the business and public sphere. So I, I think this is exciting. Uh, I'm glad that something is being done. And then you called out uh, the meeting at, at Bleckley Park this week along kind of similar lines. So what what did you uh, see about that one? Yeah, so I've not been following it super closely, and uh, it ended uh, 
yesterday. So we're recording this on Friday, the 3rd of November. So this was a summit that was held in the United Kingdom uh, by the UK government on the 1st and 2nd of November. And it's interesting how many spaces and places from a regulatory perspective are doing what can be done to get out in front of AI as best as possible. And this was a summit about artificial intelligence safety. Um, it's been a topic that's been considered uh, in governmental circles now quite a bit. Uh, we also know, because we've said it plenty of times on this podcast and on earlier episodes, that keeping up to speed from a legal and regulatory perspective is nigh impossible. You'd almost need an artificial intelligence to maybe propose laws about how to regulate and deal with artificial intelligence. But then again, might you want not to do that? I don't know. It would probably hallucinate laws that <laughs> <laughs> it might. But it w- what, what's very interesting uh, about that, uh, you, you mentioned the regulatory aspect, and, and so did I. And uh, one of the things that really benefits corporations is when there is confusion about the regulatory environment. It benefits big companies who can react because they have the infrastructure in place to handle the regulatory environment. But it really has a negative impact on small companies. And I just finished reading uh, Cory Doctorow's How to Destroy Surveillance Capitalism. Hmm. Uh, book, uh, which if you've not read, uh, it's a, it's a short book, about 120 pages long, uh, and it goes through kind of how regulatory environments are set up in such a way to to kind of reinforce monopolies. So that's why I hope we can get to the point where we actually have legislation in place, not executive action, uh, that requires compromise across multiple factions. Uh, I think that gets us to a point where we have something that is maintainable long term. So I do want to see what comes out of Blackley uh, Park this uh, this week. Uh, I'll probably look this weekend to see if I find any interesting articles that describe any output. Um, and uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses, especially as more and more companies are doing more and more with AI. Uh, tr- true. And maybe one quick uh, touch point on the Doctoro philosophy here too. In other books that he's written, he does express the notion that uh, laws that have been put in place ostensibly to protect small businesses have been um, used instead by large companies who have deep pockets and lots of attorneys to kind of turn those laws on their head. So to, to me, the answer of regulatory action and legislation is not necessarily a, a full answer in and of themselves because those small companies need to be able to band together in order to create an action that's going to help them. There's a difference, difference between regulatory lock-in which is legislation that's put in place that benefits the existing players and regulation that addresses with m- systemic market issues that are designed to help the market play out correctly. Right. Uh, and I think that's what he talks about a lot in this book. So, uh, very, very well written. Yep. His thinking continues to be on the cutting edge on lots of topics, and I'm sure it's it's evolving as as we continue to go through. It's just it's a tricky subject in order to get things just right. So speaking of tricky subjects, um, oh yeah, there was uh, 
there were there were a number of articles and a video how to uh, making video of the quote unquote final Beatles song um, that has been now released. So we'll have a link to it so you can listen to it if you care to do so. Um, and it was resolved by unpacking essentially cassette tapes and tracks on those cassette tapes, amplifying aspects and putting in what um, what was probably the, the next appropriate note, if I imagine this properly, if you think about the transformer models that we have, <laughs> what would naturally follow. Um, and you can hear this, this new, this new old song called now and then, and, uh, just go to the show notes and, or any particular, uh, music playing device or streaming service you have, and you'll be able to hear it for yourself. But it was kind of cool that AI was used to complete this song. Did did you watch the uh, Beatles Get Back thing that Peter Jackson did last year? Uh, um, parts of it, parts of it. So the technology. So so this song was created with help from Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the remaining two Beatles. <laughs> um, it started. I think they said it in '94. Right. When there were still three Beatles um, to to work on it, and uh, the the thing that's so cool about this is they they are using the technology that was used for that documentary, which was trained on you know all the content put out by the Beatles, both independently as solo artists and together, and so what is done in this song is there was a cassette tape of John Lennon singing a, um, a song with a piano. Right. And they removed the piano from it and then cleaned up all the background noise to just get his voice that they then used in standard, you know, today editing of, of music, right. Which is to, to do layered music, et cetera, and put each part down independently, et cetera. And they did the same thing with, um, with George Harrison's guitar playing. Kind kind of like what you do for the show here. Exactly. Exactly. I, I take each track, I lay them down separately. I clean them up separately and I build them up into a show. And so this is, except I don't have to use much AI. I don't even know if I use any real intelligence either, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I find this so fascinating. And, and I was, I was reading something earlier this week and they were talking about, yes, this is the final Beatles song. And I think it's number six of the final Beatles songs yes. over the last 20 something years. <laughs> I know I, I'm predicting that there'll be another final final that, you know, they'll, they'll find, you know, you know, him singing in the shower or something, <laughs> or there'll be generative Beatles songs that then nah, start see, to that's emerge. That's not a Beatles song anymore. Mm. No, that's not a Beatles song. Cause mm. this is, this is the actual original artist. Yeah. But th- then you have groups like queen, which just put out a new album, right? Yeah. Well, that that and they, they have uh, new new singers that are part of the exactly. band. Exactly, right? so it's so not an original evolved, Beatles, right? right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, 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 at what point do you say that it's a? Let's say, let's say John and Ringo got together, hired another guitarist and another singer, uh, and called themselves the Beatles. Would that be a new Beatles song? Sure. If they did it brand new, why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? We could do that. All right, Very cool. let's shift gears uh, into the land of VR, but let's stick with the subject of making music. 
And I, I don't know if this was from you or from Andy, but we've got a fantastic example here of uh, a number of people who are um, playing in a virtual reality experience and enjoying creating music where they may have had physical difficulties in being able to do this in the, uh, due to injury or due to other aspects. And um, it looks really, really cool. And it looks really cool too in the idea of how might you bring people together um, in a virtual space too, to be able to have this kind of an experience. So the pictures that we're seeing in the article have an orchestra uh, in addition to several musicians that are in the VR experience, physically sitting in the orchestra and being able to take advantage of participating in, in making music, which I love, so, I just love it. So, so this morning, uh, my day started off with a virtual celebration of uh, my distributed development team. So we've got team all all over the world in my day job. And we released a, a new release of our, our product offering on on uh, Tuesday. It went GA. And given the size of the team and everything, we couldn't bring everybody together. So we actually did a virtual celebration. And at one of the sites, they had people singing and dancing, oh, uh, which cool. was which was kind of cool. Uh, and uh, I was chatting with, with uh, one of my coworkers who's in Budapest. And he was saying, yeah, it would have been really great had we all been able to just put on our VR headsets and be physically co-located in the one location. And I was like, hey, I remember technology like that. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I wrote a paper about that years and years ago. <laughs> very cool. So well, very cool. And, and, and this is, yeah, yeah. And this, this, this is really interesting. It's, it's one of those use cases that we've kind of talked about, uh, that makes sense, uh, but to see it put to put to this use is is fantastic. And especially when you th think of uh, these these musicians uh, with some kind of physical disability through car wrecks or whatever uh, are actually physically located with the full orchestra, but in VR so that they can handle their instruments, which they couldn't anymore. So it's it's fascinating. I, I highly recommend uh, watching the the accompanying video, uh, which will give you kind of a little bit more feel besides just the the article, which is good too. Thank you, Andy, for providing this one. Yep, love it. Thank you. Um, sticking with the virtual reality, augmented reality kind of topic, uh, we have a mixed reality experience here of Super Mario sixty four leveraging Quest three. Right, the the headset and doing it in a for one person in a mixed reality environment. Yeah, just yeah, just <laughs> put all those not hit four. That's F O R for those who are keeping track. Um, super super cool. And I was having a conversation with um, one of my colleagues yesterday about how the Quest Three has done some uh, really fantastic mixed reality experiences with even higher fidelity mostly because it's mixed reality. So it's able to focus yep. the pixels and the um, virtual reality or augmented reality capabilities on specific limited locations as opposed to trying to paint the entire picture everywhere. So it right. can ignore desks or walls or whatever. And the idea of moving Mario around a combined physical and virtual space is just amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one uh, a, a lot. Um, I I was never a big player of uh, Super Mario, uh, but uh, all the different incarnations of people doing cool stuff with it have been exciting. And this one with with uh, with VR, uh, sorry, a- XR um, or MR is not Michael hey, Rowe. Me. <laughs> Mario uh, uh, is 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 really cool, and what I liked about it was actually showing how they did it. Right, it wasn't just here's something cool I did, but there's an accompanying video that you can click through where he's actually showing putting the stuff in 3D space and kind of anchoring it and creating creatures, etc. Very cool. Yep, yep, and and it's it's really spelling out now what the future is going to look like, right? In a way that's much more tangible than before. And yeah. some of the feedback I've been hearing is our augmented or XR or MR kinds of environments are now they're 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 still not all the way there, but they're getting a whole heck of a lot closer. Now, if you if you wanted to go and work on something really tangible, um. We have a fun video that's well worth reviewing about how to make a walnut high tech. Yes, and and I think Andy pinged this one to us this this morning. This mm-hmm. is uh, it's fascinating. It's, they 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 literally take a walnut, and um, as someone who who all the way back in like junior high, my hands have never been completely steady. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Watching this guy take the walnut apart, take the meat out of it, and then slowly build up from component parts a Bluetooth wireless speaker with USB-C adapter, battery, switches, everything into a walnut shell is <laughs> just fascinating. Um it's it's only about a two minute video. I highly recommend you watch it. Uh, it just shows the skill some people have uh, at working with very small things. Very very cool. Now we have another small thing. Nice setup, Michael, of a <laughs> of a thumb drive that oh, yeah. had, according to the article from Wired, two hundred and thirty five million dollars in Bitcoin on it. Yes. And this was all yeah. over the place in terms of just articles and stories around this, but you've kind of really delved in deeply. So give us the setup and the and the and then the punchline. Well, well, basically, um, this is someone who had a USB key uh, with their um, their cryptographic tokens for their Bitcoin wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the extremely well known. Um, secure keys, mm-hmm. USB keys, uh, called the Iron Key S two hundred. After ten invalid attempts of entering the value, it will wipe the key. And so, what you have is this one. A uh, couple of different teams um, started working to try to create. Um, a tool that would allow them to break the encryption on the key to get to the wallet on the key so that they can recover the coins. And uh, the person who owned it actually said, you know, I'll donate the values of what comes out of it if you can solve it. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, um, they worked on this independent of the owner of the key for a long period of time. Uh, And they have been able to crack the key. Wow. 
one of these keys, not necessarily the one with the lock on it, because mm-hmm. uh, the guy only has two tries left. Right. In the meantime, he signed um, an agreement with another company to crack it, who has not been able to crack it yet. And they're like, give it to us. We'll crack it for you immediately and give you the money. We don't care about the money. This is about bragging rights. Um, and unfortunately, the agreement the person signed, he can't do that. <laughs> so mm. so you've got hundreds of millions of dollars of potential Bitcoin uh, wallet. Um, 7,000 plus coins are in here uh, that uh, are still in limbo. Really interesting read on how they actually do it. Um, and, uh, if you're into kind of hacking and cracking, so we crack nuts and now we're going to hack, uh, the way the, uh, the, the key, I I highly recommend you reading this article in Wired and let us know what you think about it. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, And according to the Wired article, apparently there are forgotten locked wallets with Bitcoins in them worth $140 billion. Yeah, I I know. That's ridiculous. think Steve Gibson might have one from Security Now. I know Lil Laporte had one uh, that's locked, that <laughs> is just thrown away. It's like, yeah. It's like, come on, people. One password. <laughs> right? Um, so definitely not LastPass. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Hey, hey did, you, did you hear about what uh, now uh, losing their gold feed and live streaming too? They're, they're now not going to be doing that anymore. That they were, I, I saw um, a tweet from uh, uh, Lisa Laporte, I think, just recently. That, no, that no uh, I'm, I'm a paid expenses. subscriber to them yeah. so that I get the, 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 the feeds without the commercials, et cetera. So I don't worry about all that other stuff. But live streaming, right? You know, for that, for yeah. that sort of thing, they're, they're going to well, cut it's expensive. that out. Well, that's what they're saying. It's, it costs too yeah. much money. And now, for those of you who are on our gold feed, I, we know you're enjoying getting a chance to watch us yes. you know, do what we do, like Michael's, you know, do our magic beep, 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 sort of thing. Yep. Um, we've got a couple other quick hits that we want to touch Very before quick. we run away. And, and the first of the bunch is the, NES buttons, <laughs> button, big red buttons, big red buttons. We like, we know a lot about big red buttons on this show that these are, um, uh, a mechanical keyboard with Nintendo style, big red buttons that you could now program and do stuff with much like on the new version of the phones. And you can actually add eight of them, eight oh giant gosh. big red buttons. That's crazy. So you can almost like play drums with it. Quad buttons. Uh, no, octo <laughs> buttons. Excuse me. Octo double, button. double quads. Um, but if you had octo buttons, you might need some way of moving them around. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and you could do that with a three million dollar mecha. So there, yes. there is a, um, you know, again, science and art uh, imitating uh, literature, or in this case, uh, Robotech kinds of things. At the Tokyo Big Sight Exhibition Hall, there was an amazingly large mech made in Japan. Uh, they want to bring him to the moon. They want to have, uh, uh, gosh, what was the what was the phrase we saw before? You know, uh, like they're going to do robot battles. Yeah. Um, now, now the robot battles are actually going to be in VR. <laughs> ah, that would make sense because in that way you yeah, could just rebuild them better, right? Because you don't want to like actually have them because they're people controlled, and you would kill the people inside of them, and and they 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 move really fast at six miles an hour. Yeah. So. so um, but yeah, very cool. Uh, if you've got $3 million to throw away, it might be something to play with. Go go get yourself a mech. But if if you want something to play with, 
Yeah. Then, then that, like your phone. That's where you would have like a, a slap band. Now, this, yes. this is not a phone that works like a slap band, but it kind of looks a no, little bit like No, it's a squeeze like a, band. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, a phone that wraps around your wrist and you wear on your wrist, which to me, uh, for a guy that likes to put his hand outside of the window, the cars I'm driving, don't yeah. know I would do that with a phone like no. this. Mm-mm. So, so, so Lenovo actually showed this some years ago. Uh, yeah, I think there was one shown off by Motorola in 2016. Um, and, and basically, it's a bendable screen uh, with a soft back on it that you can turn and wrap onto your wrist. It's interesting. It's cool demonstration of technology. I don't think I need one. No, but me either. If you need one, you could tell us about it over at gamesatwork.biz or by rating, subscribing, and sharing our latest podcast episode. Absolutely. And drop us any of your interesting links, because we may well talk about them on the next edition of the show. Thanks, everybody. See you. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network, and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.